Hello, and welcome to the Second Time Founders Podcast. So I am going to attempt to fill in sort of for Kevin, who is out sick with COVID again somehow. He has like a double rebound, I guess, of COVID, long COVID. I don't know. I thought we were done with COVID. So anyway, we got Andy <laughs> guest hosting with me and then our really special guest, Lily Walla. Am I saying your name right? You are. Okay. It's hard to screw up. It's not like yeah. mask off. Um, <laughs> so, but because you two don't even know each other, I don't think, even though I think you're both in New York City, right? I am in New York City. Where are you, Andy? Uh, uh, I'm uh, down on the edge of Tribeca. What about yourself? I'm in Prospect Heights, Brooklyn, but I grew up on the Upper East Side. Don't judge ah, me. I am going to judge you. My parents <laughs> <Yeah>. live up there. <laughs> Mine too. So, Andy, why don't you introduce yourself to Lily, and then uh, we can get into Lily and her background and uh, learn a little bit more about why she is a new second-time founder. A, well, a newly second time, newly crowned second time founder. I don't know how how we say it here. Second timer. A second timer. Well, Lily, it's a pleasure to meet you. Sarah, thank you, you for hosting uh, and taking this on. Uh, Lily, I've started a couple companies, uh, Nanit, Vowel, and some other stuff. Uh, I think what we all have in common is that we've all touched the parenting space, uh, which I think is very unusual for uh, founder in general. So. I'd love to learn more about you. I don't know very much myself. Okay. Thank you for that. I am Lily. I started my career working for Union Square Hospitality Group, Danny Meyer's company, but I did not make it very long. I lasted about nine months before jumping into the entrepreneurial world and starting my last business, which is called Spots, promotional products geared towards brand. So in the food space, mini cupcakes branded with logos, photos, and messages, dog treats, candy, marshmallows, you name it. We printed on it. Uh, we scaled because we did all the personalizing for the edible space for companies like 1-800-Flowers and Chewy. And then in April, I sold that business. And now I am full-time on Village. And it is an exciting journey. I should also mention that I'm a mom to a two-year-old, which makes it, a, I guess, a little bit more relevant than than you, Andy. But um, yep, doing so, it all over again. So much fun stuff there. And sorry to cut you off, Sarah. Yeah, uh, no, we're both like ready to dig in. The East Coast podcast this week. <laughs> I'm, I'm well. My like my blood is East Coast, but I'm now West Coast. There, um, I listened to you on the last podcast, I think, and, and about uh, about your sports fandom yes, and everything yes. that you follow. Yes, I am 100% Philadelphia through and through. You can't take me, you know, can't take the girl out of Philly or whatever the saying is. So, Lily, what is Village and why did you jump right back into starting a company after selling your last business? Great question. So Village is a baby registry powered by social-based recommendations. So when I got pregnant with my son, Jackson, I was inundated, for lack of a better word, with what I reference as mom guides. They are intense product spreadsheets that new moms write and share with their expecting 
mom friends. And so we're combining the ability to register with all of that wisdom. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's a space I actually kind of know. Uh, shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how and did you do it? Nan it on the spreadsheet. Nan and are on, on all the spreadsheets and hanging on my wall in my son's nursery. So oh, we're good on that front. That's awesome. So, I mean, I think my yeah. first question and just like off the cuff, um, how did you how did you jump back in so fast? So you sold in April and it, it's September. Didn't you want some time off? How do you have the stamina I to do this? Climb off is an interesting concept. Um, no, I wanted to find what I was really passionate about. And starting a business at 22, like I did, uh, and ran it for nine years, that business was bootstrapped and a much different beast than this one. And, but I never really had the opportunity to figure out what I wanted to do for my career. And so the perspective of becoming a parent and having started another business kind of set me up for what I wanted to do for the long haul. And that's this business. I think also as a consumer and Sarah, I heard you hit on this last time. You said something like parents are the biggest consumer in the U.S. market. I'm one of them. And the registry platforms out there do not make me feel seen. Plus, there is so much wisdom being passed around via Google Sheets that I'm sure brands like Nanit would kill for. It's a lot of organic referral data. Yeah, I mean, I remember Babylist and I know Amazon's products and I know mm -hmm. how we had how hard we had to work at Nana to figure out the buying behavior of a registry product, which is inherently very, very, very unique. Uh, yeah. And so I, I am deeply familiar with the problem you're trying to solve. Well, we should connect offline and discuss about <laughs> how we can make a partnership work. Um, yeah, it is an interesting business model. We'll go affiliate to start and then hopefully go into the whole dropship world, which I'm sure you know well as well. Yeah, uh, that's a world I know less about. That gets more into like uh, Zola and, and folks like that. Um, I haven't yep. seen as much of that in this world, but I'd love to, I'd love to hear more offline. So, I mean, I think the yeah. <laughs> biggest question in my mind, and then I, I is you bootstrapped once. Yep. What do you think about VC back startups this time around? So that is a very good question. Village is a venture back business. So we are closing our pre-seed round at 1.7 million with NFX taking the lead. So I guess my answer to that question is I feel very good about venture money today. I have yet to have our first like internal meeting with anybody who has invested yet. So TBD, how I like those handcuffs, but so far so good. I will, I will say I think the most difficult thing and the mindset that will have to shift a little bit or not, I don't know, is that coming from a bootstrap background, I didn't have like a real operating budget or a real marketing budget. So now that that we don't have to be as lean, it's going to be interesting to see what what we're capable of. 
Well, my guess is that lean background is going to be incredibly helpful for you as you build this business yeah. in this economic and in this venture economy and this economic environment. Um, yeah, I'm curious uh, because in the news right now, there's so much YC, Y Combinator news and Apparently, they got in a fight with some other incubator, Neo, that I had never heard of until the fight started. Uh, I'm curious, did you consider going the like Y Combinator incubator route um, as opposed to just raising venture from a pre-seed fund like NFX? Or was that not even a consideration? I got rejected from Y Combinator. So it was a Oh, damn. I know, but then didn't become an option. And listen, silver linings, right? I don't think I wanted to give up that much of my company for the amount of money that they offer. And so I'm excited about our partners like NFX. We have another awesome fund called Mother Ventures, investing all in this space. A group of amazing angels. I'm excited to just lean on different people for for resources. And I think... I know other founders are going to be angry about this, um, but I told Sarah that I'm a liability having me on this podcast. So here we go. Like liabilities. <laughs> yeah. I um, I did not have a hard time raising this money. I know you were supposed to get a thousand no's before you get one yes. That was not the case for me. I like to compare fundraising to dating. Um but you get to like be slutty and like talk to everybody and it's like not looked down upon and it's fun and it's like wheeling and dealing. And that's kind of my, not the slutty part, but the wheeling and dealing part is the part that I enjoy. Sorry also to my husband who needs to hear this. Um, But yeah, I loved fundraising and we had a really successful fun- fundraise and it was hard in the networking way, but it was a blast in the, getting people to say yes. I mean, I've got to believe well, being a second time founder uh, that has had a successful exit uh, has helped a lot with fundraising because, you know, the initial rounds, people are betting on you and, you know, they're seeing that you've been a success. I mean, Andy, how was was that the same experience for you raising for your second company? It was actually. I was going to say something slightly different. I was going to say maybe Lily's just amazing and her idea is incredible. But yeah, that too. But <laughs> let, you're backing a founder uh, and, the uh, you know, you got to be excited about the idea and the market and all of that. But, you know, the founder having it's not a it's not a no name person now. It's someone who's had a success under their belt. I've got to believe that that makes the deal a lot more competitive. Yeah, I think it's either you got delusional conviction or you don't. And if you got it, you can sell it. And that's what I got right now. And so TBD when we have to go raise for the next round and actually show some metrics. But raising off of a dream, that yeah. that's my sweet spot right now. Uh, Love it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the it's funny. That's either the easiest for you or the hardest for you. And you're at one end of the spectrum or the other. And I. I think you're definitely one of the luckier ones, and it sounds like things are amazing. Uh, I'll give you a little ant- good to bet. I'll give you an antidote because we a, a, a quick little pointer. Uh, we Please. also got rejected from YC at Danet uh, way back mm. when, and I also Sarah and I were kind of riffing on this over the weekend. 
I thought YC was basically like the only incubator out there at this point, uh, mm -hmm. more or less. And to see this like whole Twitter war with this thing called Neo that I don't think any of us have ever heard of made no sense to me whatsoever. And I'm sitting there like you could have ignored these people at Neo and nothing would have happened. Now, at least the folks at Neo have some kind of platform and we've heard of it. Right. Like marketing. Them, they got the best. The folks at Neo got the best marketing they could ever and press they could yeah, ever possibly sure. have. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know who this individual is, but I see. I saw the guy, the Neo guy follows me on Twitter. So I was like, oh, Sarah's a Twitter celebrity. I'm not as cool as well, her. Gary Tan, the Y Combinator guy, blocked me on Twitter. And part of Neo's like beef with Y Combinator, I guess, was that Y Combinator blocks a lot of people on Twitter. So I tweeted, Gary Tan blocks me on Twitter. I don't know why. And then he replied to that and said, sorry, it's fixed now. And he unblocked me. So what did you say? It blocked. What did you do? Did you try to I, my guess is that they all like share some kind of block list. And while I never said anything bad about Gary Tan that I know of, I mean, I don't even really think about him. Uh, I probably said something bad about some other dude in power, uh, like that Paul G guy. I've probably not liked him in the past because um, he's like kind of anti-women. So anyway, I, they probably share some kind of block list. And, uh, you know, I got picked up in that. Um, but I I'm did. on block now. <laughs> Congrats. Yeah. Yeah. Big day. I did do the YC co-founder matching game thing oh. that they have. That was not helpful for me. So I'm still a solo founder, I guess, is the answer to that question. What? But um, which you didn't ask, but that is. Are case. you looking for a co-founder? Maybe uh, we'll yeah, have should one we for you. the word out? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that anymore. In the past, it was 100% yes. I didn't think I wanted to do it again. But now that I'm in it and building the right team, I'm happy to be at the helm solo yeah. right now. Well. For anyone out there listening, you can slide into Lily's DMs and uh, she, yeah. she may be open to it. I may be open to it. Well, yeah, especially if you're technical, I guess I will add. For all the technical folks out there. I think it's very interesting. I think this incubator topic in itself is something that's worth exploring because I'm at the place, uh, I've never done YC, but I have immense respect for the program. Um, I think I know a lot of people who have done it and had incredibly good outcomes. Um, and typically when I meet young, inexperienced founders or people without a network or people from abroad, my first advice to them and they're struggling to raise is do YC. I've never right. said to anyone under the sun, do anything besides YC because it's expensive mm -hmm. money at the end of the day. And YC, you know what you're getting. You're getting that network. Um, I link, I said it over the weekend. It's sort of like applying to, uh, Harvard. Once you get it, you're there. That it's up to you then to make something about it. There's still a lot of people right. who graduate Harvard who don't do anything great with their life. But I'm sure that ten percent, that top ten percent of Harvard is incredible. That's my guess. I didn't go to Harvard, um, and so I always send everyone there. I'm curious of your thoughts, Sarah. I, you have seemed to have some interesting perspective. I definitely wouldn't send it to Neo. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I do think, like, if you're gonna do an incubator, you should do a top one and there's not just YC there are others and there are some like niche ones as well for certain industries so I don't think they're the only game in town 
but for us, when we were kind of, you know, eight years ago, when we were deciding what route to go, uh, you know, we were incredibly well networked in Silicon Valley, like, you know, having worked at Twitter and Google and all, you know, other startups, like we, we felt like the network was not our problem. And, and I mean, like you guys, the pre-seed round was actually pretty easy to raise comparatively for us. Um, and it was a lot of equity that you have to give up. And then the other thing was, it was a big commitment in terms of the program. And we were, you know, both new moms and had a lot of responsibilities and, you know, you have to be in person. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, so it just didn't really make sense logistically. So I feel like a big thing is like, do you have that network already or are there other ways you can tap into it? And two, are you going to make the most out of it? Because you're giving up a ton of equity uh, for very little money. So you better be like able to really capitalize on that opportunity. And we were like, no, we have too much going on that we need to just focus on building the business and, you know doing our lives um, as like new moms. Uh, it's actually interesting because like, I feel like now something like YC for like a growth stage business would actually be interesting. Like I have a lot more time to network. We have a team in place. Um, I obviously can't you give know up. what your business is. Yeah, I know the kinds of th challenges we have and like where we need help getting to the next level and where we could really take advantage of a network. Something like you know, YC with the amount of equity they take wouldn't make sense even if they would accept us now. Uh, but I've tapped into networks like YPO is a great example of one I'm very involved in and has been really helpful. Kind of different network because it's not as focused on just your company as like all the parts of leadership. But um, I do feel like networks can be really helpful when you can take advantage of what they have to offer. And if you're not going to do that, like you said, don't give up all your equity. So what is YPO, Sarah? I've heard oh. people talk about it uh, over the yes. years. I don't know enough about it. So uh, it's Young Presidents Organization, I think it stands for, um, which is, you know, my brother always makes fun of me because you like age out when you're 49. So he's like, that's not young. You're not young, Sarah, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm still young at heart. Um, but it's, you know, for people running, you have to be the CEO or president of your business. The business has to be of a certain size. So a certain number of employees, certain amount of revenue, um, certain valuation. Uh, so there's kind of all these different measures. Um, and it's a global organization. So every kind of city has a chapter in San Francisco. In the San Francisco Bay Area, there's like five or six different chapters because there's so many people with businesses. Um, but you kind of get the most out of your chapter and your small group within your chapter called a forum that you meet with every month. So it's like 10 other CEOs you meet with. And then your chapter is like 75 people that you go to events with and have kind of this network. Um, but I've found it really valuable because it's these, you know, 75 really successful CEOs that are running all different kinds of businesses that I can tap into for advice and connections and all sorts of things. Plus just like awesome people that I generally uh, just enjoy being around. So I've found that super valuable, but it is one of these, like you have to, you have to put in to get out of it. 
Interesting. So if you if you are interested in YPO, let me know and I'll connect you. I know there's it's very regional and I've always heard very positive things. Definitely in New York, too. I can guarantee there's chapters. Ooh, we lost Lily. Uh oh, (laughs) no place. We are back. We're back and better than ever. We were just uh, talking about the Philadelphia Eagles and the New York Giants. I have nothing to add. We'll get back to startups. Besides the fact that my household is very dark these days with what went down with Aaron Rodgers. Not, 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 I'm not dark, but my husband is. Okay. Anyway, back to company building, uh, second time founding. Uh, So one question I have is like, what are the things you are definitely going to do differently this time around? Like big mistakes that you won't make this time or things that you're just like definitely going to avoid? Well, I'm going to start by getting a new computer. I mean, that's obviously number one. Yeah. <laughs> the second thing I think I will try to do is given the nature of my last business and just like the level of talent I needed to hire for it, it was much different than the leadership team I need to build for Village because we were a perishable consumer business. We had fulfillment operations people and bakers and a staff made up of amazing people, but it just wasn't this type, this caliber of a business. And so what I will try to do better is learn how to lead a team of people that are smarter than me, hopefully, and try to motivate them and encouraging, encourage them every step of the way to build a billion-dollar business. Actually, have Love a it. actual to this. I think if you can lead a team of more of operationally intensive folks you can easily relieve a team of smarter people smarter than you knowledge workers that's encouraging it's it's much yeah i think it's much easier i i can't wait to find out because i've i don't know if it changes but i was doing a lot a lot of adult babysitting um that was time consuming does that ever change that mostly goes away. Okay, cool. Uh, you have the right people, okay. in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if Sarah feels differently about this. Yeah, I mean, I think th- this is one of the reasons, especially we are fully remote and we don't hire new grads uh, really ever. Um, and it's really because of that. Like, I can't teach people how to work and I don't think this is really the best environment to teach people how to work at a job. Uh, Really, people that come and work for Winnie need to be self-motivated. They need to, you know, know how to find the right things to work on and prioritize their time accordingly. Like, of course, we still do, you know, quarterly planning and sprint planning and all these things that help folks kind of make sure they're working on the right stuff. But I can't micromanage people and we don't have the headcounter resources to micromanage people. So everyone really needs to be in charge of themselves and a self-starter and kind of really smart about how they work as well. Yeah. We kind of, before I got cut off, we were talking about YC and the network. And Andy, you kind of mentioned that if you don't have the network you can tap or if you're not from here, it makes sense to lean on YC. I think like it's one of those things where I just need to hire like extensions of me and I have the network. So if I can just build a team that I can trust, Hopefully, the network I built will unlock a lot for for village. Um, 
I'm excited to see. Yeah. Well, coming on this podcast was definitely the first step. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. And I think secondarily, you're starting to come in a great time. There is incredible talent out there is what I've seen compared to when I was compared to hiring in 2021 or 2022. Um, so I think you're going to be really successful. And I I don't know you very well, but it's, you seem like an awesome person to work with, <laughs> uh, at least just from the witty banter on this podcast. I do enjoy I some banter. What I wanted to tap in on is something that Sarah said, and it's, it's you don't hire uh, new grads. And we didn't hire new grads at, at we don't hire new grads at Val either. I mean, that's not something we ever did. Um, we basically hired senior engineers. Uh, we very rarely focused on training people. Mm. And I think it's more very common that mentality in a remote first culture. And so yeah. if everyone's doing this remote first, how do new grads find great jobs? I mean, this is a, it's an interesting question that I hadn't really thought about until you said it. Well, I don't think new grads should should work at startups, like with some exceptions. Uh, I, I think it's not the best job when you're just graduating college or grad school and, and learning how to work. I, you know, consider myself a really hardworking person. When I worked for other companies, I was super dedicated. But my first year at Google, like I just had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, bumbling along trying to figure out like no one was assigning me work I had to like prove my value to work on stuff and I got the hang of it but it took like a year and I don't think they got a lot of productivity out of me that first year but you know that's okay for a company like Google they can kind of absorb that and they're investing in someone for the the long run um, but startups can't and they don't have people to train you and make the most out of you and teach you how to do stuff so you know, you're just not even going to learn how to do it at a startup because yeah. there's no one there to really even mentor yeah. you. I agree um, with you there 100 percent. I always joke that I don't know what people do at work, but the reality is it's actually not a joke. I work. Yeah. I was based out of KKR's like catering kitchen, my first job out of college via Danny Meyer. But like I didn't get to see what people did at work. And then I started my company and I didn't know what we needed to hire for i didn't even know like what a brand person did or what a product person was and my husband right. was at uber for eight years and i like still don't understand what he did like there were a thousand other people doing exactly what you did at uber it's bizarre <laughs> and actually that is a big hurdle that i'm having now as i think through the team that we need and something i'm gonna have to learn but i kind of wish i had that foundation of experience from a company that truly could have taught me what people do at work. Yeah, it was really nice working for Google because you could see all these different roles and like learn what they are. And then, you know, I went to Twitter, which was much smaller at the time when I joined and they didn't have like most of those roles. But I at least knew like the th the gaps people should be filling in like oh, if there is no lawyer on every product you're launching, then you as the product manager should probably think through if there's anything like illegal you're yeah. doing because you don't have it go through legal review. Um, and then when I went to an even smaller company, Postmates, and uh, there was like no role, it was just a handful of people. I was like, oh, 
to launch a product, you need to write the blog post to announce it. And like, it was good that I had known that uh, because I had seen that there were entire armies of people that do that for you at, at somewhere like Google. And so I knew, okay, now this is something I'll just do myself. Um, and now, you know, to my own company, I, I kind of have a sense of like what those different roles are. So I always recommend, you know, even though it doesn't serve me well, um, because it means less talent available <laughs> for me, I always recommend like if you're trying to learn the ropes, go yeah. to a big company, see what all the jobs are and, and watch really skilled people do those jobs so that you kind of have a better sense when you go to a startup of, of what the work is to yeah, even be done. Yeah, that kind of taps yeah. a little bit into the like culture. I think when I was an intern for Union Square, I, I interned all throughout college every summer and being in that home office, like I drank the Kool-Aid, like I wanted to be there. And it's a big concern. And like Danny Meyer hired 51 percenters and like we all referred to ourselves as 51 percenters. It was like people who had 51 percent skills that were like EQ and intuitive and then the skills you can't teach and then 49% like technical, whatever that you can teach. And as I think through remote work and the type of team I want to build, it makes me nervous that if we were to go remote only that one, they don't have like people they can turn to to learn, you know, because we're not like a big Google, yeah. right? It's kind of just like a wear many hats. But then if you have that plus no work culture, then how do people really collaborate? And I and I don't know the answer to it. I'm curious your thoughts. So I would take it like this. Somebody once told me when you start a company, you're you're actually creating a cult mm, and yeah. you are the cult leader. <laughs> and I think you just described it by talking about the 51 yeah. percenters. That's a term I've never heard before in my entire life. And I'm assuming Danny Myers made I'll it up. I'll send you his book. Uh, it's, it's a good one. I, I've heard it's an amazing <laughs> book to read. Yeah. I just haven't read and so at some some point in some time, he wrote down this saying, the 51 percenters, and it's passed on from mm -hmm. from new hire class to intern class, et cetera. And I actually think if you do a good job in remote first, you can actually create exactly the same type of culture you want. You just have to do it in much more of a documentation way versus a verbal way. So yeah. we would always focus on onboarding buddies and how we onboard people and who we pair them with and how we hired. And the first week or two, very structured onboarding. Watch the videos, meet the people, absorb the values, understand our culture, repeat it. And I have the it's chills the same hearing way. you say that. <laughs> I've run basically remote almost 10 years, so it's the same way of the indoctrination as Danny Meyer's intern program. You're just not doing it verbally. You're doing it with more documentation and more videos. Honestly, this is just uh, live it... feedback right now for me. And I'm just going to take this kind of as like a networking call and get as most out of it as I can. And so what I'm hearing you <laughs> say and what I think you probably have is like a superpower to build community. Like it is I don't think everybody could build culture remotely, but it's a conversation I was having with my husband the other day. And I do think. I am one of those people that could set the foundation for remote culture in just like what you were saying, in the way that we speak, in the way that we are kind of like a cult. We are all on the same page drinking that Kool-Aid. And so 
I kind of needed to hear that from you to remind myself that like I need to trust myself and what I know that I'm capable of. And like community building is one of my superpowers and I think I can replicate it digitally. So thank you for that. Except to write it yeah. down or in this day and age, you can dictate it and uh, transcribe yeah. it. It is important. And I, I think like, especially when dealing with parents, because there's so much judgment and there's just so much noise that like how you talk to your consumer is hopefully for us going to be super intentional. And I just want to be able to bring that through to the culture that we we build on on the back end, too. Like, I just want to be intentional about everything that we're doing to make as many people as we can feel seen. So we'll see. I also think there's like a lot of benefits of being remote that help my business you know we have employees i think in like 13 or so different states even though we're 21 people uh we're really spread out uh and it's helpful because there are so many nuances of parenting and childcare in these different areas that we're kind of able to just naturally tap into with our employee base mm -hmm. so i will say something that is just you know i think it's it's commonplace in where I live in San Francisco. And then someone, you know, an employee in Atlanta will be like, what are you talking about? Like that has nothing to do yeah, with how we do things here. Um, and so it's, it's sort of nice to not have such a, you know, just a culture where everyone is the same and we all look the same. We all have the same background and we all live in San Francisco and have the same like just micro view of the world it's it's nice that we can yeah. kind of tap into like oh i'm in dc and this week like school was actually canceled because it's too hot out i'm like oh that might affect our traffic there if, uh you know people are dealing with this heat and can't do anything else so it's just it you kind of get these advantages by tapping into some of the local culture um by being remote, of course, there's all these challenges with communication and building, you know, your internal culture and all that. But there are so many sure. advantages. And I too. think like being a platform for parents, we need to be flexible. And that has to go into for our employees, too. And so it's something I am actively thinking about every day. And yeah, of course, I'm leaning towards remote because that's just the nature of today's world. And I just hope, hope I can do it successfully. Yeah. I'm sure you Thanks, will. Thanks, Angie. <laughs> yes. We, we yeah. love remote I know here. we were talking about that, Sarah. And, <laughs> and in some ways I've have been remote since I started spots because we had a kitchen, but then for business work, you know, I would come home and I learned how to do that. And sounds like you did. Yeah. I mean, I still think, you know, just not to, uh, I ha I still have a view, though, that, like, it's good for me to live in San Francisco. Um, so, you know, it, people will, like, ask me, like, why I haven't, like, moved back to Philadelphia where all my family is and, you know, cost of living is a little bit better and I have a lot more support. And, like, I, I do think there's something to be said for as a founder being here, I don't believe my entire team yeah. has to be here, though, to reap those benefits. But I feel like I just have a network um, that I wouldn't have, you know, even just like 
the parents yeah, a buzz of and irrelevance kids and all might... of the things that come with in person. Yes. Yeah. And like the type of people I'm connected to are generally like related to my industry. <laughs> Some someone that could be helpful to me. Um and I don't know that I would have that in Philadelphia where like you know, everyone works for Comcast or something. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So I live in Brooklyn and I basically describe it as like a modern day kibbutz. We live in a building that has 26 apartments. 23 of us, I think, have kids under three. I do a nanny share with my wow. upstairs neighbor. I am like in and out of people's apartments all the time. It's like freshman year of college. And so it's kind of interesting because when I've been pitching this business, I've been saying like at Village, what I want to replicate virtually is the feeling that I have physically at home in our building and like the ability to raise our kids together. Um, and so it. Wait, I'm moving. OK, no, oh, you yeah. just convinced me to actually. Move I swear to I live in the best apartment of the world. Uh, Not Philly, but it is Brooklyn. But you're saying like. There's other people that might like watch oh, my yeah. kids. Like, I don't know if I should like, child care. admit this, but we monitor share for each other. So like someone will go out to dinner. Buy a nana, Of I course. <laughs> I actually have just a phone, a separate this phone is just for my nana. So I can like drop it off and I don't need to leave my personal phone. Um, ah. Oh yeah. my God. This is. I'm going to like have this is services like calls on her Huge. Uh, I am like, wow. That's, yeah, I've, I've okay. paid for a base. My son this is sounds two, amazing. and it's not for lack of social life. I've paid for a nanny probably twice at night. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, I may move there if I when yeah, I have children. Come on over. Future. We will welcome I, you I, I, into I the tribe. It is a wild experience, and it has opened my mind. I had no idea what it meant to have. Like, I I had no idea how valuable mom friends could be and community and a village until I experienced this. And this is like not normal, but it is special for sure. And so if we can scale wow. that and if we do what I'm trying to do right, I think that's the feeling we hope our users feel. Wow. Incredible. Well, that sounds like an amazing pitch for now I want to invest in your company too, because this is like unbelievable. Uh, well, we'll talk to Morgan about it, Sarah, because she's she's my boss yeah. now. Um, <laughs> no, investors. So my cousin, Morgan, is actually her invested yeah. in her company. That's oh, how wow. we're connected. Uh, so that's how I met Lily. But I, um, you know, I love my investors, but I definitely don't think of them as my yeah. boss. Um, I say I, that in a manipulative way, I, just to make Morgan think that I yeah. think she's my boss. <laughs> right. Um, and they may think they're my boss, but I I think it is really important, you know, that like they understand that it's my business. At the end of the day, I'm going to make the decisions and for I'm sure. going to be responsible for, you know, the outcome of those decisions. And, and I think my investors also feel that, too. Like they can give advice and guidance, but. It's my decision at the end of the day, and I have to own it, and I have to own, you know, when it doesn't work yep. out too. Well, Morgan, uh, I just, yeah, I, and, I hear you. We, yeah, yeah, it's right. It's not false, but in some way, it's a partner, of course. And I do want them to feel valued, but also just respect my decision making ability and just trust me to make the best decisions. Morgan and I recently 
got into it over a spending decision that I'm considering. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's good. Guess well, problems. Sarah knows where to get her. <laughs> I am curious how you both like think about equity versus cash at this stage when like especially hiring not college grad people, right? Like they have lives, they have responsibilities, they have financial responsibilities, like most importantly. So cash for those people I'm learning is a priority. And so how do you, yeah. And and I don't disagree. Like I actually heard you talking about this on your last podcast, Sarah. Like I am so cash motivated. That doesn't mean that I don't believe in my mission. I just, I'm both. And so I think even as money as like a driver, I want to hire people that also feel that. Um, people have to live. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You're building a company. Yeah. You live on it's expensive. Sarah lives in San Francisco. So it's incredibly expensive. I live in New York. We're, we're all living that problem. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, though, if people aren't really motivated for the equity and the big vision yeah. and the big outcome at the early days, the first 10 the first five, 10 employees, they're the wrong people. That's not to say they shouldn't be making salaries to feed their families. Yeah. But so for my view is the first seven, the equity matters. Give it to them. I know. So you're, you're, team, you're team Morgan in this argument. Ah, interesting. <laughs> well, I think you can't, uh, you like, you should be motivated by equity. Obviously, it's it's your business. You want to make it really valuable. Um, but if other people aren't, like you can't make them motivated by equity. And I've had hires that are really amazing and they're just like, the equity isn't that important to me. I don't know how to value yeah. it. And I'll have conversations with them about how to think about it and how to value it. Um, but at the end of the day, they're like, you know what, I'm really, I, I care, I want to maximize my cash comp. And for them, like, you know, the equity is still really valuable to me. So I will restructure their offer to be higher on cash comp and lower on equity. When I went to Twitter, they weren't offering me a very high salary. And I knew I probably couldn't negotiate yeah. much on the salary. So I just asked for more equity. And then anytime I was like getting a raise or a comp adjustment, I asked for it in equity. And that was you know, turned out to be a good thing. Sounds like it was a good thing. Lily, how can people find you on the internet or find Village so on the internet? Our official name is Village, maybe. <laughs> and so right now we are doing social under Baby Rex, R-E-C-S. And if you are a parent that are open to being featured on our community, we would love to have you so send me a dm amazing all right i will sign off then thanks everyone for joining in we will be back next week with some more official producing from kevin um we wish him well feel and better kevin we'll see you soon <laughs>